at the Women's Front, the internationalist podcast from the heart of the revolution. Hello everybody and welcome back to Chai at the Women's Front. It's me, Judy, and today's episode was actually not planned, but regarding the current situation here in Rojava and the urgency of it, we decided to spontaneously record this episode. So the last two episodes we made were about the situation in Eastern Kurdistan and Iran. Young Kurdish women were telling us about the current situation, the uprisings and the resistance of the people there. So today's episode is on the current situation here in Western Kurdistan, also known as Rojava. Because the situation here in Rojava or Northeast Syria is not less urgent than in East Kurdistan. Actually, the situation in both parts, in West and East Kurdistan, is very much connected to each other. Because the two states, uh, Turkey and Iran, Turkey, which is waging war against the people of West Kurdistan, and Iran, which is waging war against the people of East Kurdistan and Iran, uh, both states, Iran and uh, Turkey, are regional colonialist forces that oppress the people, especially the Kurdish people, in order to defend their own status quo. Because the status quo of the states is now being challenged by the people of the region. Uh, as you know, the people are rising up, willing to build up an alternative system to the nation state. And in this they're led by Kurdish women demanding self-determination and the end of oppression and colonialism. So, in addition uh, to this, both states, Turkey and Iran, are at the same time also attacking South Kurdistan in the north of Iraq. Um, so, because of common interests, especially in the interest of erasing the Kurdish people, these two states are working together um, waging a war together against the people uh, against the people of the region. So maybe this was a bit longer intro than usual, but um, yeah, for today's episode, um, for the first time, we don't have any special guests in the podcast because, like I said, we urgently wanted to record this episode to inform people outside of Rojava about what is currently happening here. So you might have uh, heard of it in the news, although the main uh, mainstream media is still trying to avoid this topic. But basically, the low-intensity war, which Turkey was waging for quite some time now, has turned into a high, really high-intensity war. And the possibility for a new invasion is again on the agenda. So, also right now that I'm talking to you, there's drones flying over our heads and cities are being bombed by warplanes. Yeah, so basically what uh, has been happening so far, uh, Rojava got attacked in a really, uh, really heavy way uh, some days ago, or let's say the attack started some days ago because they're still ongoing. Uh, it was in the night between the 19th and the 20th of November. Uh, lots of bombings started all over the region. We actually 
woke up from the noise of the warplanes and the explosions. So we checked the news and we realized it's not only our city that gets attacked, but Turkey was attacking all along the border, especially the city Kobani was under, under heavy attack. And there, for example, a hospital got completely destroyed. Uh, Erdogan's main goal seems to be taking Kobani because the liberation of Kobani by the Kurdish people um, back in uh, 2014 became a symbol of resistance and ISIS, who was uh, close friends with Erdogan, got defeated there. So, yeah, anyways, uh, in this uh, night, uh, or after this night actually, uh, the next day uh, we learned that during uh, these uh, attacks uh, in Dirik, in the city Dirik, 11 friends got killed. Uh, some of them we also knew personally. We used to meet them at celebrations or when we were going to the city. Yeah, so in this night uh, of this first big attack in Dirik, Turkish warplanes uh, were attacking an electricity station to cut the electricity of the region. So there, two people got killed in this airstrike. And following this, the people of the villages around were hurrying to the place of the attack to see if there's injured people who might need help. But then uh, Turkey started attacking the people who were coming for help. So then nine more people were killed. And all the other people who wanted then to come uh, and uh, see if there's uh, someone who needs help, uh, those people couldn't go because uh, Turkey kept flying their drones over this place until the next day. So nobody could, uh, could move without being targeted. Yeah, so then two days after that attack, the funeral of these 11 friends was held in Derek and we also went, we, we attended this funeral, and that was really one of the most powerful, powerful things that we have witnessed here. I mean, thousands and thousands of people were attending the funeral, saying goodbye to their friends and neighbors and family members. That, the, the atmosphere there was really, I don't know, it's difficult to describe. I, I remember when I looked around into people's eyes, while they were digging the graves, I could really see a mix of pain and anger, but also willpower and determination. And normally you would think after an attack like this, the people would just be afraid or paralyzed or something. But losing friends and family members by attacks of the enemy makes the people more and more determined to resist and to not give in people here would rather give their own life than that of others. This has become very clear, especially in the last days. Yeah, so the attack of Dirik was basically the starting point. Uh, since then, Turkey kept bombing dozens and dozens of places all over northeast Syria. Also, for example, in, uh, in Deir Azor, which is <clears throat> which is 70 kilometers into the country, so really far away from the border, actually. And 
Until now, as far as we know, there have been 47 warplane attacks, 20 drone attacks and 3,761 attacks by artillery and other weapons. So the intensity is really high. Uh, also, there's almost constantly drones flying over the whole region. And interestingly, the first places that uh, got attacked uh, are civil infrastructural places and places uh, that are important for the economy, for example, such as petrol and electricity stations or wheat silos. Also hospitals like uh, in Kobane and in Qamishlu also. Basically crucial places for the people, especially during a long-term war. So it looks like uh, these attacks of Turkey are still the preparation for what's coming. Um, also today, they bombed around a prison in Qamishlu, where uh, ISIS members are held. And they also bombed the Al-Hol camp uh, near Haseke, where there's more than 50,000 ISIS members inside. So imagine what happens when they get the chance to break out. Uh, this is actually an important tactic the Turkish state is using and has been using before. Uh, in the beginning of this year, Turkey was involved in organizing a prison breakout of ISIS, uh, of ISIS members in the city of Haseke. So you would ask yourself, what's their aim with that? And they basically want to revive ISIS in order to use them against their own enemies. And the cynical thing now is, in the media we read so many times Turkey attacked Kurdish positions or Turkey attacked Kurdish militants. The whole world can see that, I mean, if they want to see, that it's mostly civilians being uh, killed in these attacks right now. Turkey is consciously attacking civilians. And even if they're attacking military forces of Northeast Syria, I mean, as if this was legitimate. It's not, because there's no reason for self-defense for Turkey, because they're not being attacked. It's Turkey who is constantly attacking. For months now, they have been assassinating dozens of people by drone strikes in Rojava, military and civilians, especially civilians who took a leading role in the upbuilding of the system of the self-administration of Northeast Syria. So this is also a sign, uh, a sign to the people. Turkey wants to tell them, don't even think about building up an alternative system. Don't think about autonomy, uh, about your identity. Don't you dare to work towards the freedom of your people. This is what they're trying to tell them basically with those attacks. So the war of Turkey against the population of the region, against the self uh, the autonomous self-administration of Northeast Syria and against the Kurdish freedom movement is really a special warfare. Why special warfare? Because it is far, far from any conventional warfare, far from the international law and of course far, far away from any ethics. Uh, unfortunately, we have to say that we're today living in a world where ethics and international law is not respected. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise though, since 
and capitalism, humanity and the ethics of society are nothing that counts. What counts is the interests of the capitalist states. An alternative system to capitalism, like the one that is building, that is being built up uh, here in Rojava right now, is for sure not in the interest of the states. And that's also why no state has an interest to intervene in this war. It's the people right now who are taking to the streets to draw attention to it and uh, who try to force the states to intervene to the situation. The capitalist system is in a really deep crisis right now. So it's just trying to extend its lifetime. Um, by what means is it doing so? By states waging war against people, for example, not only in Kurdistan. In so many places of the world, we can see this crisis of the system by the horrible situation of the people. And the current attacks on Rojava also wouldn't be possible without the acceptance of the USA uh, and Russia, since they are the forces who are controlling the airspace over North Syria. So it is crystal clear that they gave the green light to the Turkish regime. Also, the bombs that are now falling on us are from the US Boeing company, for example. Of course, the imperial forces are also making money with this war by, by selling their weapons. But a big, war, a, a big part of this war is uh, also happening online in the media. Um, with their propaganda and spreading false information, uh, Turkey is trying to create a certain narrative, trying to spread fear within the population, basically. So prior to the attacks on Rojava, a bombing happened in Turkey, Istanbul, where also people died and many got injured. And uh, Turkey was very fast to blame the Kurdish freedom movement for it. The Kurdish freedom movement denied it and said it had nothing to do with it. Um, but the point is, already at that time, lots of people were predicting that this bombing in Istanbul was arranged by the Turkish Secret Service and a move of the Turkish state to have an excuse to attack Rojava. And this is exactly what happened. Uh, some days later, the attacks on Rojava started, and they're lasting until now. Uh, actually, the attacks are in increasing every day now. Pretty much every city is under attack. Uh, every hour there's news about a new bombing. And in addition to the airstrikes, Erdogan just announced that the Turkish state is preparing to invade from the ground as well. So, yeah, all in all, we can say that we really are at a state of emergency right now. And the military forces, as well as the civil population, are preparing themselves. They're getting ready for the worst case. So this is what the situation here looks like right now. Um, yeah, we hope for all our listeners to spread the word about the situation, about this war, because it's not only a genocide happening here. This major attack is an attack on all the achievements of this revolution. And this revolution is everybody's revolution. Everybody who is hoping and struggling for a liber liberated society beyond oppression, colonialism, and fascism. It's 
the women's revolution of the 21st century. The Kurdish women's movement, which is the driving force of the Rojava revolution, is the movement from which the slogan Jinjian Azadi is actually coming from. So when we chant the slogan, we have to remember that the women who pushed back ISIS, the women who made the slogan Jinjian Azadi become a way of living, are now being attacked in the most brutal way by the Turkish state. The Turkish state, as well as all uh, the other states, are ready to do anything in order to secure their power and their status uh, in in the crisis in, or in the in this process of the new designing of capitalist modernity that is taking place right now. So the wars will extend and they will not only cost human lives. We have to understand that this is not a war against only one nation anymore. Today Kurdistan is the symbol of socialism and the war that's going on here shows the reality of, uh, of the nation state. Today the peoples of this region are the hope for a world beyond power, beyond violence and patriarchy. They are the hope for a world without colonialism and bourgeois interests. And for this cause, thousands of friends gave their lives. For this cause, internationalists from all around the world came here and gave their lives. So defending this hope is our future. Defending this hope is what will create our future. So all of us should understand this attack as an attack against themselves and feel responsible to defend the Rojava revolution. So please spread the word, take to the streets, join the actions in your towns and cities and be part of the defense of the Rojava revolution.